Welcome back to the Blog Boy Roundtable presented by the Bay Area Examiner. From the Bay Area Examiner, myself, Seth Varnador, Nathan Bond, and Robert Stieg from DraftKings Network. Nick Simon, Anthony Vito could not make it. Colin Sherwin was too afraid to show his face after, after questioning if I was a ball knower and my Miami FSU pick. So, uh, but we've got some news, some real news this week. We've got the $76 million man, Jimbo Fisher, getting the axe, uh, but he wasn't the only one. You got Mr. Ornette at Mississippi State and maybe even uh, Chip Kelly, possibly, maybe, out there in L.A. Um, are any of those surprising to you guys? I, I, the Fisher thing seemed like it was just a matter of how much they wanted to pay, you know, whichever year. Uh, but that seemed like it was going to end badly, inevitably. So not too surprising. Were any, were any of these surprising to any of you guys? Uh, Zach, was- Zach, Zach Ornette getting canned. I mean, looking at it, I kind of under, I kind of understand that he was never really supposed to have that job. You know, tough situation with Mike Leach passing away last uh, last December. Defensive coordinator steps up, uh, carries the team and the program through the bowl game. So it's like, all right, we got like, all right, we got you. But then things just started to go downhill and go downhill this year. Mississippi State is probably the second worst team in the SEC. And I I figured that they would probably give him at least another year. But I guess, like, if you're going to, like, if you see the writing on the wall, it's like, hey, let's pull the plug now and just get it over with. Yeah, I I think he would have gotten more time if he didn't just totally blow everything up after last year. Like, if he would have said, all right, well, I'm going to keep the assistant. We're going to run it back. You know, maybe he could have got himself another year saying, all right, well, I want to do it my way. But, man, like, if you go out and blow it up like that, you better be good. And they were terrible this year. And then with Texas and Oklahoma coming in next year, it kind of makes sense. This is more like an extended, um, you know, tryout for him, really. Uh, right. Nathan, was this, were, were any of these shocking to you? Well, it, not really. Like, Arnett. Obviously, it was probably the quintessential like sympathy hire, right? Like as Nick, you laid out, it was just uh, just the evolution of what happened with Mike Leach's, you know, sudden uh, sudden death there. And you know, Mississippi State has a lot of questions that they are going to have to answer in this cycle. Is with Texas and Oklahoma coming into the SEC next season. Who are they as a program and and not even in terms of the SEC, but like who are they in the state of Mississippi? Like what identity do you want to have going forward into you know the great unknown? Like, you know, obviously the SEC is never going to kick out of like no program is going to get kicked out, but like Vanderbilt, they kind of know who they are. They're they're gonna hitch their wagon to baseball and they're gonna play spoiler to like one SEC team a year and just be that we are the pedestal of academics in the SEC. And that's fine. Old Miss, even with Lane Kiffin and you know, getting absolutely dog walked last week at Georgia, notwithstanding, they at least have some sort of identity. Lane's gonna be brash. He's going to needle, you know, Kirby and Nick Saban and going to basically mimic Nick Saban as much as he possibly can. 
uh, as much as he possibly can as a Nepo baby, right? But what does Mississippi State want out of their football program? They have a very good baseball team. They're always historically a very good baseball program, but that's not what pays the bills anymore. And it it's never paid the bills in the SEC, quite frankly. So I, it seems weird that we're talking about Mississippi State that much, or this is the one that really kind of sticks out to me. Is like, who do you want to be over the next five years? And but you want to keep rebuilding. In a similar vein, that's also kind of a question that Texas A&M is going to have to look in the mirror and ask themselves. Right. Because we know, like, clearly Jimbo buyout, $76 million. That's nothing to all those oil oil people running the program, whatever. They're not even phased by them firing him. But, I mean, you've had a decade as being the lone team in the state of Texas in the SEC in Outside of really that first Menzel year where you won 10 games and beat Alabama, you haven't really accomplished anything. Nothing. You've done nothing. And now your hated enemy who has more money, who has more money than you and more clout and more historical success is now coming into your neighborhood along with Oklahoma, another blue blood who does a damn good job recruiting the state of Texas as well so yeah you again AM has all the money in the world but that hasn't mattered in the, the last decade and now it's going to get even more t- like even more tougher as you're like you can only hope to be like maybe the fifth best program in the uh in the entire uh conference conference now like it yeah a lot of those guys in a college station are going to have to look themselves in the mirror and like assess what, like they're standing in the world now. I, I don't know. To me, like they're already competing against those guys in recruiting. So it's not like the, the SEC advantage will go away, but like the advantage was their willingness to spend, I think. Um, and, and that to me, they're the, the, his, the history of the place is interesting just because there's not, a ton of winning history, uh, but investment I think is going to be more important going forward than it ever has been. Um, especially as you get into, um, you know, closer and closer to a super league, it, who's going to spend the money, you know, before a salary cap comes, I think they will spend money. It's about getting the right coach because it's really, you have to be at a certain talent threshold to have a chance to compete for national championships. They're going to be there. They're there right now. It's just their coach they hired was on the downturn on the field. Like he, it, the game passed him by a while ago in terms of revolutionary cutting scheme. Right. He hasn't been great in that sense. Like the Florida state team that he was really good with had a lot of really good players. Um, But like, it's not like he's been cutting edge for, over 10 years he's been kind of behind for a while probably his whole time he's been at texas a&m so i think the right guy can do something there but like you said nick it's going to be crazy competitive in that conference like with texas and oklahoma you're probably going to have six or seven of the top 10 recruiters in in every year will be from the sec depending on who has their act together and who doesn't it could be even more right like you'll probably get you know if usc doesn't have their act together if uh, Michigan and Ohio State 
Ohio State will probably be up there. Michigan, maybe. Notre Dame, maybe. But, like, so you could have some years where eight of the top ten recruiters are from the SEC. Um, it's going to be wildly competitive there, and a lot of people will get fired. A lot of buyouts will be paid. Steve, what would you do with $76 million? Oh, man. That's a lot of Arby's beef and cheddars I could buy. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> um, I, I, but all seriousness aside, like the, the crazy thing is that like, you know, when, when the Jimbo Fisher contract came out and they were all, you know, we were all gushing and oogling at like Jimbo Fisher making that much money and, you know, all the jokes about that, like that's a lot of money for a, a school to cough up to say, don't coach us anymore. We don't believe in you to then go out and probably have to spend just as much money to get another guy there to fix this really. I mean, it's, it's, and to basically be at a disadvantage. It's just wild to me that there's this much money being tossed around and the sport like this. And you're seeing kind of these weird dichotomies of teams trying to figure out how and when and why spend money and everything like with UCLA firing Chip Kelly, there's off the field stuff that's happening there. That's causing them to do this, but you're seeing kind of sense of urgency popping up really quickly for these schools to say, this guy isn't it. We need to let him go. Now we can't wait because we wait. The others are going to catch up. And I think what's going to, it's going to accelerate this power to, you know, super league, whatever you want to call it kind of situation. But again, the, the money's only as good as the money is there. And at some point, this well is going to run dry for the schools and they're going to have to say like, is, is this theoretical paycheck, the, this theoretical bag that we're chasing, like going to keep on this, this cash cow, how much money can you get out of this college football cash cow and continue to lose for it to be worth it to be involved in that. That's where I'm going to be following for the next like 20 years. Is like, at what point, does the Mississippi States, the the old Misses, Texas A&M's, Vanderbilt's even, when do they say, I'm tired of losing. This isn't our identity. This is not what we signed up for. The money's great. We have zero SEC championships to show for. We have zero New Year's Six Bowl games to show for. We have zero of this, zero of that. All we're doing is hitching our wagons to Georgia and Alabama and LSU and everything like that and just reaping the benefits. When does this become good? And are those big boosters going to be okay with that? That's where I'm, that, that's my headspace right now. Um, after watching Jimbo Fisher get paid $76 million to not coach anymore. That's wild. Yeah. Friend of the show at J Bud Davis on Twitter. I uh, went back and basically calculated that Jimbo Fisher has made about $76 million up to this point, like 20 or 30 years, like 30 years of coaching. And so he's getting paid now more to not coach than he'd made for 30 years actually coaching. So interesting, interesting. I think, you know, just I think as the money starts going to the players more and more, you'll see less and less for the coaches. And these buyouts will get less and less because it'll be more about can we hit this, the the top of the salary cap if that ever comes into play. So um that is going to be something interesting to watch i think you're you're right steve there will be there may be a time where you have to make a decision do i want to maybe take a step back and win a lot of games or be in the premier league 
you know what what's more enjoyable right um so i think i bud elliott said today or recently like nobody cheers for your balance sheet so like it's, who cares if you're making a lot of money if you're not if it's not fun right so right speaking of fun we've got three pretty good games this week uh and some interesting lines here we'll start with the team that just whipped as Nathan Bond likes to call them the Nepo baby. Georgia is on the road is a 10 and a half point favorite at Tennessee. The total is 59 and a half. Georgia was a 10 point favorite at home against Ole Miss last week and dominated. Easy. I feel like a big dummy for picking against Georgia last week. And you know, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice. You're not going to fool me again. <laughs> I'm picking Georgia. Uh, Vito is also picking Georgia. Even the 10 and a half. I don't know, man. This this seems like one of those ones where you want to talk yourself into Tennessee just because why is it 10 and a half? Would it have been 10 and a half if, you know, last week didn't happen? What would it have been two weeks ago? And what it's just like, is it just possible Tennessee is just not very good? And every time they play a team that has a pulse, they lose. Is that just possible? It seems that way. Right. So I, I'm I'm taking Georgia. Vito's taking Georgia. Nathan, where are you going here? Are you going with hype on the Vols at home here in Rocky Top a bunch? No. Absolutely <laughs> not. Georgia. Georgia, 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 Georgia. This Tennessee offense is not nearly as – I mean, it's quite literally not as good as it was last year. Uh, and Georgia, even for all its faults, they got Brock Bowers back. That kind of helps out. Yeah. Uh, Carson Beck is a, he's a pretty good quarterback. Turns out, turns out, I think I think the kids are all right. Uh, and Georgia's easy, twenty five points easy. I, I it could get nasty here. I, if this wasn't at Tennessee, I, I would be interested to see what the line is. Uh, Nick, where are you going? The over under is 59 and a half. Are you yeah. looking at attacking the total or are you going to a side? I mean, yeah, of course, like George, of course, I'm I'm on Georgia, but like my pick is the under here, under 59 and a half. Um, Tennessee's offense just completely malfunctioned against Missouri last week. That was a combination of again, their offense just not just not working properly at all. And Missouri eating up uh, a lot of the clock on just these long drives. Like they, like Missouri had, I think I was looking up the box score. They had like a 12 play drive that lasted probably like 10 minutes or something like that. Something ridiculous. I think Georgia is going to take a similar approach because I mean, yeah, they should be able to completely wipe Tennessee off the map. uh, No problem here, but they've already clinched the SEC East title. Like we know that it's going to be them versus Alabama. So there's not really an incentive for them to just go absolutely like what they basically did to Ole Miss last week. I think that they're going to take a similar approach that Missouri did is just kind of methodically grinding this team down, grinding this team down and maybe even like get some of their backups in, you know, probably third, fourth quarter once the game is well in hand because you don't want to get these guys hurt this late in the season, especially when you know that you have a pretty tough matchup in the SEC championship game coming up. So I think like it'll be something in the ballpark of like 
35 to 10 or something like that. But I, so I'm, I'm going to lean under here. Hey, Missouri had a 20 play 72 yard drive. that oh. took 11 minutes. Yes. That's a field goal. And Missouri had the ball for 40 minutes in the game. Yeah. Uh, Stieg, which way are you going? I hate the SEC uh, this year. I just, I want to do the fun things. I want it to be more fun and chaotic. And I just, they, between Georgia and Alabama, they keep on screwing me um, anytime I bet with them or against them. So, uh, yeah, uh, give me Georgia because uh, they're the death machine this year. So, I mean, it, it's, I hate them. I hate this. Yeah, I think under could be a good play as well, Nick, just because Georgia will see Florida runs a similar defensive scheme to Georgia. Alabama runs a similar defensive scheme. They'll have a pretty good idea of how to slow down this Tennessee attack. And uh, yeah, Joe Milton has not been the guy. So we are going to a rivalry game. It's a week early, uh, but a rivalry game nonetheless. We've got Kansas State as an eight-point favorite. At Kansas, the over-under is 56 and a half. Uh, I'm going to go with Kansas State. Um, I think Kansas may have some quarterback issues. Uh, so if, if they end up playing the third-string quarterback, I think Kansas State has a pretty good defense and will be able to get it done on the road. So give me Kansas State minus eight. Vito likes Kansas. That hit for him a few weeks back when he took Kansas uh, against Oklahoma. We'll see if it works for him this week. Stieg, this is a little bit more chaotic. Yeah, it's a little more chaotic. Not a chalk game? No. What do you like Um, here? The the injury worries me with Kansas, uh, quarterback-wise. I'm going to give just the most bare-bones assessment that, like, when you're two starting quarterbacks go out and you're on your third string, that's usually not a good thing. Um. Lance Leopold is obviously a very dynamic though. So that kind of gives me pause every time I think about the Kansas football team, which just sounds disgusting. Every time I'm praising Kansas offense uh, in football, it's just like what has happened over the last 15 years. Um, so uh, I like Lance Leopold. I think he's the right guy for the job there. seems like he's going to stick around. So I'm going to pick Kansas just because the dude's a wizard. Don't know what he does. He just finds a way. All right, Kansas. Nick, who do you like in the old Sunflower Showdown? It's an excellent rivalry name. Um, I'm on uh, Kansas State here. Um, yeah, so Jason Bean, their, now their backup quarterback, who was actually playing pretty well in place of Jalen Daniels. He had uh, a head injury, so that can always get squirrely like the following week. I think Le- Leopold said yesterday that he was optimistic that um, Bean could possibly play, but it's coach during speak during the regular season. Like that could be a total lie for all we know. Who knows? Um, yeah. I'm on Kansas state because they've just like outside of their overtime loss against Texas a couple of weeks ago, they've just been hammering teams. Like Will Howard has been excellent for them. Then, Again, their freshman backup, Avery Johnson, has come in at certain spots, and he's been effective at running the football. Kansas State 7-2-1 and one against the spread this season. So they've, they've handled their business uh, basically all season long. So 
I have the Wildcats here rolling on the road against a Kansas team where questions at quarterback and I don't I don't trust it. Even if it's like Lance Leipold, I, I I just I just can't trust the Jayhawks. Yeah, and if Bean plays, how much can he run, which is a big part of his game. So uh Nate Nathan Bond, who who do you like here? Or, or are you attacking these the total? Uh Kansas State minus eight and a half. I think it's college football. You need a good quarterback. Kansas without Jalen Daniels it does not have a good quarterback. So uh that's that's the answer. K State, they look pretty good. I'm excited to see what they can do. Um and plus you know rivalry game. And what take take your frustration out on on a, a downtrodden rival. Have some fun with it. There we go. Now we go to uh, probably the most intriguing game of the week, I'd say. You got Washington on the road at Oregon State. Oregon State was the dog initially. They are now favored by two and a half. Uh, The over-under, the total set at 63 and a half. Vito is on the over 63 and a half. Both these teams metrically have really good offenses and the defenses are kind of not great. Um, I'm going to take Washington plus the two and a half. Um, it's it's tough because Oregon State has such a good home field advantage. Um, but just the skill of Washington outside uh, and I'm getting two and a half points. I wish it, would get, it was three. That'd be a little bit nicer, but uh, I'll take Washington here. Um, my big concern would be Oregon State running the football. It seems like they have a big advantage there. Uh, the, their rush game against Washington's rush defense. But I'm hoping, you know, Penix and the receivers can kind of pull it through. Nick, where are you leaning in this one? I am on Oregon State to pull the upset, ruin Washington's uh, national championship aspirations. Um, as excellent as Washington has been this year, their uh, their defense has been suspect at times. Uh, they've given up 113 combined points the last three games. Uh, playing Utah last week, uh, <laughs> like Utah with a walk on with a walk on quarterback, they had to kind of sweat that one out as well. Like I saw, I forgot who it was. I saw someone uh, say that Washington is kind of like rich man's USC. <laughs> where like the offense kind of has to overcompensate for kind of a suspect defense. Um, this is, I mean, it's no surprise, like how they're, they're now been flipped towards the favorite because this is a, this is the definition of walking into a trap. It's a prime time game in a Corval in Corvallis. That's a very underrated uh, college football uh, vicinity to go into. And that crowd's gonna be raucous at Research Stadium, and yeah, man, I just, I just think like the DJU Revenge Tour is gonna continue, and he's gonna, and they're gonna get him. They're gonna, they're gonna get him and send Washington, send Washington <coughs> off, ruin their, uh, <laughs> ruin their national title chances. So give me the beefs. Yeah, now I'm, I'm wishing I didn't pick first there. Uh, yeah, Oregon State. I think their defense is also kind of different at home too. You saw when Utah came into earlier this year was undefeated, and they just ran into a buzzsaw. Nathan, where are you? Where's your head at here? Are you all on the Beavers? Uh, are you a Husky? No, uh, Penix till I die. Uh, Washington plus two and a half. I think. Um, I mean, it, 
doesn't make sense to not take the points in this kind of spot. Uh, it just uh, everything in my head points to Washington, even with a not great defense still being better than Oregon State, um, who's been fantastic. I think what DJ has been able to do after being cast aside from Clemson this season has been uh, nothing short of remarkable. Uh, but over the last uh, 11 years, uh, Oregon State has only beaten Washington once. Um, so I'm, uh, I'm going to go with Washington and their 68 wins in the series against Oregon State's 35. Yeah, there seems to be a real like Oregon State home road split. So that does scare me, them being at home. Stieg, uh, we got one on Oregon State. Two on Washington, one on the over. Where are you going? Um, before I get to my pick, I, I mean, this game is just, it's me for the taking. I mean, you got Penix, who's to handle a lot of beaver. Uh, you know, a lot of ball busting activity will be happening in this game. So there's going to be a, uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of good stuff happening. If they can, uh, if they can both get to 69 points, that'd be really nice too. Um, <clears throat> I do love me some beaver, though, so I'm going to pick Oregon State. <laughs> Look at this guy. You can't tag it for explicit, can you? A beaver backer, Robert yeah, I'm Steve. A be- I'm a big old beaver backer over here. All right, so Hopefully now we're getting... wet there, too. <laughs> no, no, that's always a little... Your future wife's so lucky, Steve. <laughs> What's I Was the forest calling for rain and... That might actually change my pick a little bit. <laughs> I didn't, even, I All right, let's didn't even think about the weather. <laughs> well, you know. All right. Uh, we'll move on to Vito's off the board pick. Uh, this is kind of the opposite of what Steve was talking this is a This is a very sicko mode pick here by Vito. He's got Iowa, Illinois, under 30 and a half. Uh, that's extremely likely it feels it feels like right like it sounds awful but it seems quite possible bro go go look up the big 10 west standings it is just absolutely disgusting it is the most disgusting thing i've ever seen in my life there's five teams that are like four and three in conference and in iowa just sitting up there a game ahead of everyone. Yes, you've got Iowa 5-1, Nebraska, Minnesota, Northwestern at 4-2, and two, Wisconsin, Illinois at 3-3, three and three, Purdue at 2-4. and four. It's absolutely disgusting. And what's funny is you look at, like, all, like, the top defenses in terms of explosive, and it's, like, four Big Ten teams at the top, <laughs> and it's ones that have played the, team, the teams from the West a lot. So, yeah, I think that one seems... It, it's the total seem to be getting lower. This one's a, a super high from last week's 27 and a half. It's a way up to 30 and a half. Shootout. So, yeah, we've got a this is an Iowa shootout here. Um, staying in the Big Ten, I'm going to take Michigan minus 19 at Maryland. I think this is people think it's a look ahead spot, but I where Michigan's at right now, I think they're going to try to kill everybody they play. If they can win by 50, they'll try to. Um, and it's kind of on either side of if, if Harbaugh's back, he's psychopath 
psychopathic enough to try to win by 50. If he doesn't make it, they'll be motivated to play hard for Jim Harbaugh. Um, and so, yeah, I like them under three touchdowns against a Maryland team that's not very good on defense. So um, I think Michigan's, Michigan's defense can snuff them out a little bit. And and if you know they get in the 30s on offense, I think they can cover this. So, uh, Steve, if you're done looking at weather, what is your off-the-board pick? Uh, I got a weird one. I got a strange one. Um, I have Mississippi State. Uh, they're uh, favored by 14. I got them. Uh, they're favored by 14 over Southern Miss. And I, that, I, I think I like Mississippi State to cover that. I, uh, I'm a big believer in the dead cat ounce. And uh, after hearing some of the uh, the toxicity that was happening around the Bulldog program there, I don't know, kind of like whenever you get rid of like the toxic guy, and then you come out and just you start playing a little bit harder, maybe practices a little bit easier now that you don't have that thing over your head. Um, and I, I I didn't really, like when I first looked at it, I was like, oh, I'm just going to take Southern Miss, but then I started thinking Southern Miss coming off of, I think, three straight wins. Um, looking pretty good over the last couple of weeks. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I like the dead cat bounces uh, every once in a while. And, uh, we're in that time of year where a dead cat bounce is bound to happen at one one of these points. Yeah, and Greg Knox is the interim coach. He uh, has been an interim twice for Dan Mullen and won both games in the regular season, I believe. So, or maybe two and one with the one bowl game. Uh, but that, I think. They get their quarterback back this week, possibly two, and that I think will be a big help. So I like it. Nathan, where are you going off the board this week? We've got a couple kind of gross games with the Iowa-Illinois under and Mississippi State. Are you going conventional, or are you also kind of in the sicko? Um, It's kind of conventional. Uh, I'm picking the Florida at Missouri game. Missouri is a 12-point favorite. Uh, I've got Missouri covering that. Fairly easily. Um, what Missouri was able to do to Tennessee last week was pretty damn impressive. Um, and Florida, who um, has not been great, and uh, I think that's probably the safe, safe and nice thing, nice way to put it. Uh, this season under Billy Napier is it hasn't been fun for them. I don't think that they can win this game. Uh, my over five and a half for Florida this season is in deep, yeah. deep peril. I was with you on that one. It looked great three weeks ago. It really did. And then losing to Arkansas, who's probably about to fire their head coach, uh, and then basically losing to anyone that had, had a pulse on their schedule uh, is not a great look. Um, fun fact, Missouri does indeed have a pulse. And Brady Cook is a very good quarterback. And I think uh, Missouri can easily cover this. And, uh, you know, underrated home venue. It's supposed to be rather cold there as well. Uh, so that I don't think that'll help. Um, all right. Yeah, Florida's defense is... Um, they're USF adjacent on defense is, is, all I need. <laughs> is all I need to say. They're pretty much the same defense. Uh, uh, I saw a stat today, and maybe this will be also included in the Ponderosa, but um, 
USF is worse, and then Florida is second worse because they're really good in success rate in terms of successful plays, like the EPA of successful plays against them. So every time that somebody has a successful play, it's very successful. And so that's basically Florida and USF, and I get to watch both of them every week. So that's a lot of fun. All right, Nick. (laughs) God bless. (laughs) For four years. Well, first of all, well, first off, uh, Billy, Billy Napier, you better hope, you better hope that DJ Lagway is the guy. You better hope that he, he's the savior that can turn this around. And he may be, but that, oh, buddy, it's it's getting it's getting hairy. The signing class has to beat the win total. Yep. It's, it's, it's like if if he does that, this year's okay, I think, in some Florida fans' eyes. But it's starting to slip right now, so. We yeah. shall see. All right, Nick, where are you going off the board here? I'm going uh, UNLV plus three against Air Force, which Ooh. this game would be the – I mean, there's still a couple weeks left, but this game would be the John West uh, title game if the season ended today. You know, Air Force has seemingly just hit a wall out of nowhere. They've had two really bad losses back-to-back to Army and Hawaii. And I don't know what's been going on with the with the uh, with the troops the last couple of weeks, but it's it's not been looking good for them the last couple of weeks. They're basically out of the group of five the, years. The, those turnovers, man, you, you, yeah. that, that's got to be. I mean, you turn the ball over four times. You turn the ball over four times against the Army too, right? And then you did it against Hawaii as well. Just six times against the Army, I believe. Yeah, oh, good lord! Sorry, I'm so sorry, Army for disrespecting you and shortening <laughs> two two turnovers there holy cow yeah 10 turnovers <laughs> in two games that that's gonna that's gonna get you beat a lot danny yeah. danny propel come on that's that's just not that's just not great but on the other side uh unlv um the biggest turnaround story in the entire country this year like what barry odin's been able to do in just one year and taking a program that was basically West Coast USF like these last couple of years. And he has him like basically in the driver's seat to make the conference championship game in just one year. That's been amazing. The go-go offense has been awesome. Jaden Maivia at the uh, quarterback position has been awesome. But yeah, I like UNLV to um, take down, like to take down Air Force here and potentially do it again in a couple of weeks, depending on how the Mountain West uh, standings shake out these last couple of weeks of the regular season. All right. I think that's a good pick. All right. So we've got, we're all in Georgia, except Nick is on the under 59 and a half in Georgia at Tennessee. Uh, Nick, Nathan, and myself like Kansas state Vito and Steve like Kansas. Nathan and I like Washington. Vito likes the over 63 and a half. Nick and Sieg are on the Beavers. And just an FYI, it's going to be wet and you're going to have a waxing crescent moon in Corvallis. So waxing Love crescent wax. Wet and waxed. All right. So Michigan is minus 19 is my pick. Mizzou minus 12 is Nathan's. Iowa, Illinois under 30 and a half. His videos, Nick has UNLV plus three. Steve has Mississippi State and their interim coach minus 14 against Southern Miss. Let us know where we went wrong. Let us know if you need Steve banned from the show. Um, (laughs) (laughs) 
please like, subscribe, leave a comment, help us game the YouTube algorithm. We'll be back next week reviewing these picks and making some more. And next week we've got rivalry week. So maybe we we'll have some we've already got some of those games penciled in already. So uh next week should be a fun one. Join us as we well, make some are we gonna do a full forty five minutes on USF Charlotte on the Blood Boy Roundtable? Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Might be a supplemental. Is that the rivalry game you're talking about? <laughs> that is. The Sleeves green. versus Biff Pogey. The green and gold bowl, baby. That's right. Thank you for watching. Join us again here next week.